Hi, this is Joe Shannon. I'm a lawyer, a husband, a father of six kids, and I also uh, host a podcast called Opening Statement with Joe Shannon. Please consider listening to our podcast on YouTube, Spotify, and Apple, and any other folks that host podcasts. Just Google Joe Shannon and podcast and you'll find it. I hope you enjoyed the show. We are speaking today with Adam Banton of Disability Attorneys of Michigan. How are you today, Adam? Doing great, Joe. How are you doing? Good. So just a little background for you folks out there. Um, Adam is a partner at Disability um, Attorneys of Michigan. That's damichigan.com. And um, as you know, during our, our uh, podcast, what we try and do is introduce uh, folks to people that are um, in my world. And I've met Adam through a number of different events and, and uh, did a lot of research on his firm. And I'm so happy to be speaking with you today. How, so tell me, you, you are right now in Michigan, right? I am, I am in Michigan, Metro Detroit. That's great. And so why don't we, why don't we start out with um, talking about your, your upbringing? Where, um, where did you grow up, Adam? So I grew up in uh, Traverse City, Michigan, which is uh, just off Lake Michigan, uh, kind of the north, uh, the northwest portion of the Lower Peninsula. Okay. And so um, tell me about your upbringing. Where um, where'd you go to high school and your family and all that? Yeah. So my, uh, my parents are both from Traverse City. I, uh, my, my mom she grew up on a cherry farm, so her parents and uh, two of her brothers farmed cherries up there. So I grew up spending my summers out on cherry orchards, helping to harvest the, the cherry crops. Um, spent a lot of time fishing with my dad, um, you know, doing a lot of outdoor stuff. It's a great area up there for water activities and, and outdoor activities of all sorts. Um, then I went to high school at uh, Traverse City West Senior High. Um, played football there. That was my main, really my main passion at that point beyond school was, uh, was playing football. What, what position did you play? So I was offensive line, um, played a little bit of, of defensive line, but my sophomore year I played center and then, uh, my junior and senior year I switched over to uh, tackle. Well, so then, um, did you have fun playing? I loved football. It was, uh, <clears throat> you know, it, it was, it really taught me a lot, uh, just teamwork, leadership. Um, you know, I, I became captain my senior year. I, I took leadership very seriously. Um, and, yeah, I just – I really had a, a great time. I, that was really kind of my network of friends, <laughs> you know, was pretty much made through, through football. You know, um, I grew up in a farming community myself um, out in uh, Yakima, Washington, and um, we – I worked in uh, both the apple harvest and the uh, cherry harvest. And um, gosh, I remember those three weeks, three to four weeks, we would work in the cherry harvest. Yeah, I worked in a warehouse. I didn't work uh, in the fields, but we had to do this thing called culling the cherries, 
which they go along on a conveyor belt, and then we had to pick out the bad ones. Uh, what type of work did you do with the chairs? Oh yeah. So you know we the the equipment has uh, has evolved a little bit since I I was out there uh, harvesting, but essentially you know I, I was I was out in the orchard. So you've got all these rows of cherry trees, and there'd be a, a tractor pulling a, a huge pie. I don't know. 70, 80 foot long conveyor belt along. And there were two tarps that would roll out from this conveyor belt. And you would have one person on, on each tarp. That was the toughest job on, on the farm, pulling the tarps out, uh, wrapping it around the tree. And then another uh, unit, the shaker would come in, wrap it little, uh, like a little fork kind of around the tree, shake the tree, all the cherries fall onto the tarp and then the conveyor belt would roll it back in. And you got to hold those tarps while it rolls back in. Um, and then, you know, the conveyor belt, you'd run it along, pull sticks, leaves everything out. The cherries would go into a tank on the end of the conveyor belt. And then you'd have tractor drivers coming out, bringing fresh tanks, taking full tanks back to the, to the pad where we'd load them up on trucks and, and take to the actual warehouse type places that would buy them from us. And I pretty much did everything uh, other than driving the shaker um, I, I kind of, you know, made, made my way through and ended up on the high low, which was the kind of the money job out there. <laughs> so, you, so you were, so how old were you when you started doing that? Oh, that cherry harvesting? Uh, young enough. My grandpa probably would have gotten in trouble, but um, that's fine. I, we're not going to get him in trouble. <laughs> so I, I can, I mean, since I can remember, I, I was going out to the cherry farm, you know, it was kind of a family thing. So both of my, I have two older brothers, both of them, both my parents, um, would go out and help during harvest time. Um, cause as you said, it's kind of that three to four week window and you've got to strike when, when the cherries are ready. Otherwise, you know, my grandparents, they relied on their entire income, uh, on cherries for their entire income. So when it was time, it was time and it was a total family event, you know? So I don't remember not going out there to be honest with you. Wow. And I so worked, was that in Traverse City too? Yeah, yeah. So that was out on so Traverse City kind of has a cool um cool geography. There's uh the so off Lake Michigan, you've got Grand Traverse Bay, and there's a, a peninsula, um there's a big peninsula called the the Leelanau Peninsula that separates the bay from, from Lake Michigan. And then within Grand Traverse Bay, there's East Bay and West Bay, which is separated by a smaller peninsula called the Old Mission Peninsula. Um, and the, my mom grew up out on the old mission peninsula and that's where my family's farms are. So, um, you know, I just lost track. What was the question? Sorry, Joe. Yeah, no. So, yeah. So, um, how, so you said you started out real, real early. Yep. And then I, I asked you where they were at. So you said they're on this peninsula. Yeah. I'm just yeah, yeah. This picture of this place that is just idyllic. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. So the, the peninsula is, it's still technically Traverse city, but it's, it's probably, you know, they were, they were, I don't know, two thirds of the way out. It was probably about a 20 minute drive from downtown Traverse city and downtown Traverse city is great. Cause you've got the, you know, you've got the kind of the, the Southern half of both of the bays are, are right down there. Um, it, it's just, it's absolutely beautiful. I, you know, I, I was born and raised there. I lived there until I went to college and uh, I didn't actually, I didn't really realize how great it was until I started visiting home again from college. And I was just like, man, I, I, I really took this for granted. Now, now when I'm up there, I, you just driving by the, the bays, I can hardly hard, keep my eyes on the road. Yeah. So, um, so, so yeah, I'm looking at it right now. And, uh, the name of the airport is Cherry Capital Airport. 
That's right. We it, yep, Traverse City, the cherry capital of the world. They they claim, um, which kind of funny. You're talking about Washington. You know, Washington of course produces a ton of cherries as well. So, Traverse City has a huge summer festival called the Cherry Festival. It's our big, oh. big festival. You know, fireworks, the Blue Angels fly. You know, it's put on an air show. It's really a, a fun festival, and it's always towards the beginning of July, right around Fourth of July. And, you know, we called ourselves the cherry capital of the world, but uh, it was amazing how infrequently we would actually have Traverse City cherries ready for the cherry festival. We would tend to ship them in from Washington <laughs> so that there were cherries to sell to people around there. Because typically in, in that area, you know, it, it was usually around mid-July before the harvest really started. It's a later season, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so I, so, um, you know, I'm looking at this picture of, uh, Traverse City, and I'm like, this looks like the place to grow up. Uh, right, you're you're yeah. in between Lake Michigan, and then you go around, and if you go north, you go up to to, to Mackinac, and then you you take a right, you go down the other side, and that's Lake Huron, and then you get these yep. beautiful bays. I mean, wow! I bet you got some good stories growing up there. Oh yeah, it, it was great, and you know, it was. <sighs> You know, I, I'm 36. I grew up, I was born in 1984. So I grew up kind of late 80s, early 90s was that, you know, true childhood uh, for me. And I, uh, you know, it, thinking back on it, it, it was fantastic. There, you really didn't have a care in the world. You know, it was, it's, it's not a small city really, and it's kind of uh, spread out. But it, it really had that small town vibe. You know, you, you tended to get to know the different families and everything around there. And, um, yeah, it was just a, ver a really safe, fun place to grow up. Oh, that's great. And then um, so you're there. You, you have a, a uh, you're basically a uh, you do a bunch of stuff with cherries. You're, you're a driver. You're a tarp guy. You're everything but the shaker. What what other jobs did you have growing up? So other than um, other than the cherry farm, I mainly uh, worked in a restaurant, Mongolian Barbecue. I'm not sure if you're familiar with oh, it. Oh, yeah. So, so what, okay. what did you do for them? So Mongolian Barbecue, I um, started working there shortly after I got my license. And I did a little bit of everything there, too. Um, you know, the started out just doing prep work in the back, um, you know, working on the, the dessert line, working on keeping the buffets full of food for, for people to come through and build their bowls. Um, and then eventually after maybe about a year, year and a half, I started grilling and uh, doing some serving as well. Wow. So you, so you actually did the grilling at Mongolia oh, yeah. Grill? Yep. Yep. And so tell me about that. It, it, it's not one of those places where, you were actually cooking in front of the people. Yeah. Yeah. So it's a huge, I mean, I, I don't know what the diameter is on, on this grill, but um, you know, it's probably, I don't know, six to eight feet. And I, uh, you know, you'd have, it depended on how busy it was, but you could have, you know, up to four, four guys out there grilling 600 degree grill. <laughs> um, and it was, it was a ton of fun actually. You know, I, I always, I've always been pretty personable and I like to, to interact with people and that was where you could kind of, you know, you could really interact freely. And for the most part, people who were there were, were into that. So, you know, they're not sitting at their table having a conversation with one another. They're sitting there watching you 
cook their food. So I had a ton of fun, a lot of fun exchanges with people, you know, try and come up with some different tricks and stuff to, to impress them. And yeah, it, it was a lot of fun. It was very hot, but uh, yeah, it was a lot of fun. So, so you were, so you, you're, you were in the cherry business, you were uh, basically a short order cook, man. I mean, that's, that's, that's going to get done in about five or 10 minutes. And yeah. then what, and that was during high school, right? That was all, that was all high school. Yep. And then other than that, um, it was mainly, you know, my, my parents were, um, they were serious about me focusing on academics, uh, and, and keep myself, keep myself busy, staying out of trouble, um, and, and focusing on football. So, um, when I, uh, I think of a kid from Michigan, uh, they want to go to either two places. They want to either go to university of Michigan or Michigan state. Um, well, they all want to go to one place. <laughs> <laughs> but they can, okay, now you're one of those now. Now, I, I have no, to I'm tell you, my, um, <laughs> although it's not the same, I went to law school at Notre Dame. And so I, I get the rivalry. But I don't, oh, yeah. I'm trying to think uh, the, 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 the football game between uh, Michigan and Ohio State is huge. But yep. that game between Michigan and Michigan State's got to be pretty big too, isn't it? Yeah, that's a big one too. So, you know, the it's kind of shifted. I, I'm a huge Michigan football fan. I have been my entire life. So, um, I mean, I've got ornaments going back to, you know, when I was like five years old, they, my parents were already buying me U of M ornaments because I was so into them. I was watching all the football games. I mean, I, I was just – I was a, a fanatic at a young age. So when it, it finally came college time, you know, initially I, I wanted to go play football in college because that had been such a huge part of my life during high school. Um, but it, I, I wasn't big enough or good enough to go to a, a big school. So my options were either go play football at a smaller school um, or, you know, get the big, big experience, uh, you know, college life. So my, my now wife, um, was my, we, we started dating when we were 17, we were in high school and she, her whole family is, uh, for the most part, they're all Wolverines. They're, they're, uh, a lot of them went to Michigan. So she had applied there. Um, she had gotten in, I hadn't even applied to Michigan cause I wasn't really thinking about going that route. And then her and I started to get more serious. And that of course changed my <laughs> my view on, on <laughs> or my priorities, I guess. Right. Yeah. Um, best thing that ever happened to me though, uh, is making that decision to get my application in there, that, that city and, and university really, really changed my life. Tell me about that day when you got the letter from, uh, university of Michigan saying that you're in. Yeah. Uh, it, it was amazing. It's emotional actually, you know, thinking about it. I, um, I, I got home from I think I'd just gotten home from school and my dad who uh, is in construction um, he happened to be home so you know construction jobs don't always go all day if you finish one depending on where you're at right so he happened to be home uh, he was the only one home and I walked in the door and he had gotten the mail and said hey I got a letter from U of M here and I knew it was you know either good or bad news <laughs> so he, uh, he handed it to me. I opened it up. I, uh, you know, read it five times to make sure I was reading it correctly and told him I got in and he was so proud. Uh, you know, he, he had, he had tears in his eyes. The, 
my side, my family um, does not have a ton of education. So, you know, my dad had to, um, he graduated mid-year, his senior year. He and my mom were dating at that point. They both graduated mid-year, their senior year, because my dad's dad passed away. Um, so he had to, uh, you know, man up, start working, help take care of the family. He had an older sister and uh, a little brother. So they didn't get a lot of the um, the opportunities to extend their education because of that. Um, so he, you know, it, it was education was always important. My brothers both went to smaller schools, kind of fizzled out, um, you know, after about a year of, of uh, giving it a shot. Um, but he, he was so proud of me. He knew how much it meant to me. Um, and yeah, I'll, I'll never forget that. So day. tell me, tell me, how do you, how does a five-year-old get so attached to a school with those crazy helmets? And you know, <laughs> did, did you go to a game when you were a kid or something? Uh, no, the first the first game I went to was U of M Wisconsin. It would have been, geez, I think two thousand one. Um, so I that would have been my junior year of high school. I had a, a my best friend at that point. Uh, he was a senior, and his dad had gotten some tickets. So we had a game downstate, a football game downstate, and I went with uh, my buddy and and his parents um, over to Ann Arbor stayed the night that was Friday night. And then Saturday was the Michigan Wisconsin game. I think it was a Michigan win by like 10 to seven. I, I would have to go back and, and look at that. Um, but I, I feel like it was a close Michigan, Michigan victory. That was my first time going to a game there. And, and that was actually my first experience in the city of Ann Arbor. And it just so happened to be on a, a Michigan football game, you know, football game day, uh, Saturday, which is the most magical place you can be on a Saturday for, for me. <laughs> anyway, I just, I love the atmosphere. The, the U of M is a really cool situation kind of setup because the city essentially surrounds campus. You know, the, the city and the campus are, are one in the same. Um, so just walking through campus, grabbing conies at a, at a restaurant there, seeing all the students out, all the alumni, all the fans, um, all the tailgating and everything. I mean, it, it was just like, holy cow, this place is amazing, you know? Um, and that was before I even really got serious about uh, wanting to go there. Um, but having that memory in my head, absolutely, that, that played a role in, in me wanting to go there. But yeah, I never really thought about the helmets. It was just always, they are what they are, and I've always liked them because I've been a fan. That's great. So are you, are you still a fan? Yes, uh, I am. <laughs> I, I'm still very much a fan. Um, if you ask my wife, she'll tell you I'm too much of a fan. <laughs> it it will, you know, mi my mood for the week goes with whether Michigan wins or loses on Saturday for the most part. So after having kids, I kind of I've calmed down a little <laughs> bit on it, but I still get a little bit crazy. You know, my kids think I'm a little a little nuts when I'm watching the games, but they, they love it. We all have a good time. That's great. So the kid from Traverse City uh, makes the four hours plus trip, goes to the University of Michigan. And did, was your did, did your girlfriend get into? Yeah, yeah. So, yep, she uh, she had actually gotten in before I even applied. I, I applied very late in the in the process my senior year. Because it just wasn't really on my so the radar pressure was on. I was thinking I wanted, so the pressure was on, right? So then I thought, well, maybe I waited too long, and you know, I don't have any connections to the, to the, to the university, and 
um, yeah, the pressure was, was definitely on. <laughs> well, that's great. So you, you got in, your, your girlfriend got on in there too. And then, so you're there and I'm, I'm taking that, um, that you enjoyed your four years at, uh, Michigan. Loved it. Yeah, it was, uh, it was, you know, for, it, it's tough to say the best four years of my life, but I, I feel like it was probably the most important four years Why of my that? life. Well, you know, I, Traverse City is a little closed off to the world. It's a little bit of a bubble. And, and I mean, quite frankly, you, you know, Ann Arbor is a little bit of a bubble too in, in a lot of ways. But what I mean by Traverse City being a, a bit of a bubble is, you know, I'm, I'm a white guy, right? Everyone in Traverse City looked like me. There, there's very little diversity up there. Um, you know, it's, uh, I forgot one job. The, the only other job I did was at the country club up there. And, uh, and a, a lot of the members were, you know, excited about me applying and, and whether or not I was going to get in, they kind of knew a little bit about, about my story. Um, but you know, it's the, it's just this melting pot of cultures and races and, uh, points of view, you know, um, it, it just, it opened my eyes to a, to a lot. It, those four years unquestionably more than anything else, no disrespect to my parents because they of course had, you know, played a big part in who I am too. But those four years shaped who I am and what my, my ideals and everything are as an adult more than any, any other period of time that I can think of. And then, so, um, you end up graduating from there and then, uh, I'm assuming you got married at some point. Yeah. So we, um, my wife and I, now wife, uh, we, we stayed together through, we knew it was either going to make or break us. Actually, when we, when we got to, uh, when we got our housing information for Michigan, we were in, I think one of two co-ed halls and our rooms were about five, five doors down from one another, our freshman <laughs> year. So it was either going to be a really good situation or it was going to turn pretty ugly on us. Um, so yeah, everything, every, everything worked out. We stayed together through college. We ended up getting, uh, I went straight to law school after college. Um, and we ended up getting married after either our first or second year of, or my first or second year of law school. I think it was after my second year of law school. That's great. And so then, um, you, you get a family now. Yep. Have a family. I have two, two daughters. Um, they are six and, uh, my younger daughter will be four on the 21st of, of this wow. month. Wow. That's, that's, uh, pretty precious cargo. It's great. Yep. The probably number, number two, you know, life changing, uh, you know, set of years in my life has, has been since they were born for sure. Oh, that's great. So, um, so tell me about, uh, Wayne state in uh, law school. You, you went right. You went just down the road from Ann Arbor to Detroit for law school, right? Yeah. So, um, you know, I, I was a little bit, a little bit lost in college in terms of, um, you know, I was discovering who I was, but not necessarily what I wanted to do with my life. Um, so I was a psychology major and I minored in crime and justice in uh, undergrad. And I didn't have a ton of guidance in terms of what you can do with a psychology degree. And, um, you know, kind of really, I didn't have much of a focused path, I guess you could say in, in undergrad. So one of my great friends, um, to this, to this day, uh, he actually grew up in Traverse city. Um, he was a year older than me and he went to Michigan. Uh, 
he, so he was, it was his senior year and he was deciding he was going to go to law school. And I was like, man, I, I've, I've been thinking about that. He was a poli sci major. And I was like, but I'm a psych major. And, and he's the one who opened my eyes to the fact that you, you can have any major you want in undergrad and, and still apply to law school. So I, I decided, you know, this is something that people have, I can remember teachers since, <laughs> since elementary school telling me I should be a lawyer. Cause I'm not that I'm argumentative, but I can always play devil's advocate. I can always find the other, the other side, you know? So I thought, you know, maybe that's the route I'll go is, is law school. Um, you know, I didn't, we didn't grow up with a ton of money. So that was always part of it was just, I just wanted a comfortable living. I, I wanted to, um, to have a career that I was proud of. Um, and that would give me, you know, the means to raise my family comfortably. Um, and, and so I said, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to do it. So I started studying for the LSAT and took that and then started applying to law school. You know, the, the, um, you know, a lot of folks that I, um, that, um, I talk to because some, you know, some of the folks that are, that are listening that, you know, they're maybe younger, they may be in high school, they may be in college and, um, I tell folks that that I run into that are trying to figure this out. I, I say, you know, when you go to college, you know, sometimes, you know, being on that straight career path where, you know, you've got that great job right when you get out of, out of college, I mean, that's all, you know, fine and dandy, et cetera. But I think long-term, um, you know, you need to need, you know, as you had those four formative years on, on learning how to deal with people, but secondly, just learning how to speak, learning how to, to write and learning an appreciation for reading and history. And, and that's sure. the thing that I think that's almost more important. Don't you think? I, I totally agree. And I, I've had the same conversation with, um, you know, other family members. I have some nieces and nephews who are getting older and, um, you know, just about the what college to go to and, and what to major in and, and those sorts of things. And, I totally agree. It, I guess it depends if you have your eyes set on a particular career and you know exactly what classes you need to take and everything, then I, I get it, right? Some, some kids are, are lucky in that regard when they graduate high school. But I think that's, without, a, without question, the minority of people. You know, and, and I, I think and the, I, I, you know, Adam, I think what um, this, you know, here we are in 2020, right? And um, there's, uh, and, and you're an entrepreneur, uh, you're building, uh, helping to build this, this practice. Um, and you guys are doing a great job. Um, uh, I promise we're going to get to that. I, I, I just, uh, but this, <laughs> this, I, this kind of stuff I think is, is the, the background on how people get there. And I, I think people are going to, um, want to know who, who you are. And I, I think I'm getting to know you a little bit more listening to you, but I tell you that the, the thing with that, I think we're entering into now in our economy is that every single person that is uh, alive that is wants to be you know in an economy has got to learn entrepreneurial skills and part of that is you need to learn to speak to people properly you need to learn to listen to them very important yes. and then also but to be able to read and to understand issues and and also to have a resilience to go through difficult times. And that, that's the thing that, that we, you know, you develop a character of having to deal with ups and downs and then having a belief system. 
these are all very yeah. important things that, you know, for people to be successful. And so what your major is in college, that's great. But the farther you get away from your college, your, your life's work is what defines you more than, you know, where you went to college, et cetera. But I, I, I think, you know, uh, a lot of folks that, that, uh, you know, they get really, uh, down on themselves, they don't do the best in high school, or they don't do the you know the, the greatest in college. But their life's work is ahead of them. Yeah, hundred percent. I mean, you know the the thing for me with college is I I know a lot of people who are very very close and, and dear to me in my family who didn't go to college, and they're super smart and they're successful. Um, you know, it's not a college is not for everybody. You know, it, it really isn't. I think that there's this idea that it is the from age 18 to 22. I don't care if you're in college, working, whatever you're doing, you're growing up as a as a human being, because for most people, it's their first time kind of away from their family, doing their own thing, providing for themselves. Right. So regardless of where you are, you're becoming that person that, that you're talking about. And I think it's about how uh, how seriously you take uh, trying to. Um, you know, like you're saying, reading people, I think understanding other people and other people's point of view is it, that was a huge thing for me in college. College kind of gave me the, the, a, a roadmap more or less, even though it wasn't laid out for me looking back on it, I, I kind of look at it that way. It, it, it was a more, um, uh, it, it, it basically set things up for me to be forced to to learn that kind of stuff. I'm not saying I wouldn't have learned it otherwise, you know, um, but the, what I was talking about with the different cultures and races and everything, I, I was so ignorant to a lot of customs and things like that, that other cultures have. And I learned a lot of that in college and I loved it. I mean, it was, it just, it opened my eyes to, you know, beyond Michigan and beyond the country, but kind of globally and looking at, at different issues because That's of that. Right. Yeah. So, so you came out of there, with a little bit different, you know, uh, the big picture had a little bit of, at least had entered your viewing screen. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I think that's a, I think that's a, a fair way to put it. I kind of went in almost with blinders on, you know, uh, just thinking, okay, I'm going to buckle, buckle down, do, do my work. I'm going to get good grades and I'm going to get out of here and I'm going to have a degree from university of Michigan and everyone's going to want to hire me, <laughs> <laughs> you know? And it's like, once I, once I got to my junior and senior year, I, I was like, oh, there are a lot of, you know, smart people who are hardworking, put a lot of effort in, uh, and it's not, it's not that easy. No one's rolling out the red carpet <laughs> for yeah, me here. Yeah. So, you know? so then you, you end up going to law school and then did, did you work through law school or did you, what was your, what was your plan there? So my first year of law school, I did not work. I, um, you know, my, at that point, uh, my wife didn't have an income either. She was, she, um, she's a teacher. She was getting her master's at Michigan in teaching and education. And so for that year, that first year I went to law school, um, we, we didn't really have, have much of an income coming in. So I, I had my student loans. I, you know, got just enough extra basically to pay our, pay our rent and get groceries on. And she would do a little bit of tutoring and stuff on the side. Um, and, and we just kind of made it, made it work um, for that year. And then my second year uh, of law school is when I started clerking um, or the, um, at a, 
I, I clerked at a few firms um, in my, between my second and third years, just different areas of law, trying to figure out exactly what it was I wanted to do and, and what it was I wanted to get into. Okay. And then, so then when you graduated from law school, tell us about getting that first job. Yeah. So I graduated uh, from law school at a really an interesting time, uh, both I think nationally, uh, as well as, you know, more specifically in the state of Michigan and even more specifically in, in Southeast Michigan, because I graduated law school in 2009, um, which is, you know, right when the, the big three, the auto industry was tanking. Um, and Southeast Michigan relies heavily on, on the big three, you know, the, it's amazing to me, the trickle down effect when you have big companies like that, you know, Ford and GM and Chrysler, it's not just the, you know, the executives and the people working in the offices and the, the people working in the factories, it, it trickles down to any, from a legal standpoint, specifically any attorney who has anything to do with any of those companies, or by, by the way, any of their suppliers. I mean, there are tons of suppliers in this area that supply parts to, to these auto companies. Um, you know, so you have just a huge uh, portion of our population that relies on the auto industry. And when the auto industry isn't, isn't doing well, you know, a lot of people are looking for jobs and that includes attorneys who they may have five years of experience and they're, they're applying for entry level jobs. So I came out of law school at a time where, you know, most of these firms, they could have gone and hired somebody with experience and, and probably paid them a similar amount to what they paid me coming out of law school. That's how bad it was at that. Well, that that sounds like a pretty daunting time, especially for a a guy that's just, you know, he's newly married and thinking, Hey, this is good. Everybody wants to hire me. Newly married six figure student loan debt. You know, I I mean, it was a, um, it, it was a stressful point in time, you know? So when I, when I was doing my job search, that, that first job search, I, uh, I, I was, I was open to anything, quite honestly. You know, I, what my goal at that point was I I need to get my foot in the door somewhere. I need to get some real world, practical legal experience. And if it ends up not being for me, that area, at least I'll have something I can put on my resume. I'll have some more knowledge to work with and I'll, I'll start looking elsewhere once the economy starts taking off here uh, uh, again. So I applied Applied to, to several uh, several places, had some interviews. Some went way better than others, <laughs> you know. Um, and I ended up applying to uh, Disability Attorneys Michigan, and I came in, had my my first set of interviews, which um, you know, two kind of two separate interviews uh, in different offices on the first day, and then I got called back for a second interview where we went out to dinner. And it was just more of a a fit kind of thing, you know, for company culture purposes. Um, and I, I just, I fell in love with these guys, you know, Stu Johnson who founded it. Um, Samantha ball, who's my partner now, um, was, was here at at the time already. Um, I think she had been working with Stu for about four years when I came in. Um, and I just, it was such a welcoming, warm atmosphere. People were so friendly, willing to, to teach, you know, not getting frustrated with, with the newbie coming out of law school. Um, so I, I loved the people that, it, that was like easy to want to check off the list. And I had a little bit of, uh, uh, experience in school anyway, in law school with social security disability as part of a, an elder law class that I took. 
Um, cause that was kind of really what I wanted to do was estate planning type work was my, my, uh, original intent. Um, so I, I ended up getting this job and I ended up loving it so much and the amount we help people, you know, and how grateful people are, plus the people that, that I'm working with. I, I've never even, I, I couldn't even tell you if I still have my, my initial resume. I don't keep a resume updated. <laughs> of course now I don't. Um, but yeah, I just, I, I completely, completely fell in love with it. And I, I've how never long have you been back. there now? I started there in December of 2009. So just over 10 wow. years. And then, so, so you've, you've been working at the same place. And when you got there, how many, how many folks were working there? So we had, we had a little bit of a roller coaster. Um, we had, I was attorney number seven when I started. Um, we got up to, at one point a few years ago, up to 12, um, 12 attorneys uh, and probably 48, 49 total staff. Um, and then we have since kind of refined our, our practice and um, really dialed in what, what we're doing. Um, and now we have nine attorneys and uh, uh, about 36 staff. staff. So it, I'm sorry, 36 total. So it's, it's roughly where we were when I started, but we are just a much more polished product. Yeah, you guys focus heavily on social security disability and right. Is that what you guys do? Yep. That, yep. And then, so, yep. so, um, I did some research on you guys and, um, when I looked up disability attorney in Michigan, I pulled up you guys and you have hundreds of reviews and then I looked for the competition and I, I couldn't really find anybody even close to that. Yeah, we, we care, we care about, about what people think of us. Um, you know, and, and I think it shows in our reviews. Um, you know, we are of course lucky in the sense, and it, it was, you know, intentional that by naming ourselves what we did, um, you know, it's, it's easy to find us online. Um, and we want that because we, we want people to be able to find us easily. We want people to be able to see what other people, uh, what, what their experiences have been with us, uh, good or bad. I mean, I, I'm not telling you that everyone who we ever represent absolutely loves us. I mean, that's impossible. I don't think any business can say that. And I don't mind those reviews going up if somebody is, is, is unhappy for some reason, because for every one of those, we have 50 five stars of people talking about how fantastic we were and what great care we, we, that's what know, I really like on. about this, this, um, about you and, and Samantha is the transparency. I, I, I mean, the, you can just tell in talking to both of you that, um, you're going to give people the straight scoop. So the reason why I, I feel that is because, you know, you guys have a high volume of people that contact you and you're speaking to a lot of people. And if you're in the habit of telling people the truth, have habit of people telling people what exactly the length of time is going to take uh, exact. And then you're fine. And you have a, a specific area where you want to practice in, you get to be really, really good at it. And so that, that, yeah. that's, that's a nice recipe for success, isn't it? Totally. Yeah. And I think, you know, what you're talking about with transparency, it's, I, I don't, you know, I, I'm not going to oversell whether, whether I'm overselling myself or our firm or 
um, you know, the process of going through social security to, to get benefits. I don't sugarcoat any of that stuff for anyone who calls me and, and we'll get people who, who will call me uh, or who will call us. And I think one thing that makes us a little bit different is we're willing to spend the time to tell somebody why they don't necessarily have a case that we could help them with at least right at that point in time. And why, you know, it's not just a, sorry, can't help you click, you know, it's explaining to them, whether it's educating them on the social security disability process, um, telling them why their case may be weak at this point in time and, and something that we might not have enough to work with. And what, what are some, what's some, you know, some action items that they can take from that phone call and, and go work on, you know, and we'll get people who will call us. I don't know. It could be months later. It could be years later and say, Oh yeah, I remember talking to you and this was the issue at that point in time. And it was so great. You, you kind of explained things to me and I got my stuff in order and now I think I'm ready and boom, all of a sudden they, they have a, a, a viable case that we can help them with, you know? So we take the time to do that. We don't sugarcoat what the process is going to be like. You hear all these horror stories about social security and, you know, I mean, for the most part, you hear the worst of the worst. Um, so we try and kind of put things into perspective for people and give them a realistic uh, idea of what to expect for the better, for better or worse. Um, because I don't want to, I'm not going to, going to over promise and, and under deliver, you know, I'd rather do it. Right. No, I get it. <laughs> I'd rather under promise over deliver. So, so yeah. Are there any, um, you know, I know that you can't name names and all that, but are there any meaningful cases that you remember in your years of practice? Uh, I know you're, you're, um, you know, you're basically, you've got a, a, a great resume so far on, uh, you got many years ahead uh, but are up, up to this time are there any memorable you know cases that you that that you can share with us yeah um i mean there are a couple that that jump to mind um you know th this because this is um this is an area of law that's more of a volume type business um you know you, you tend to see a lot of the same types of cases right so you, you get your, your back type cases or head injury type cases or mental health cases, you know, so a lot of those, you know, are, are kind of similar. Um, but there, there are a couple that have really stuck out to me and it's usually the, the ones where, you know, I have this one guy, this is probably, I don't know, six or seven years ago. Um, I had this guy who he was a, just a hard working, uh, you know, he, he was construction, he, his body had just been used and abused over the years, you know, just, he was just in, in really bad shape. And he was so proud that he waited and waited and waited to apply for any assistance, you know? So by the time he, he applied, he, he was, his financial situation, he had blown through all of his retirement income. Uh, he couldn't find a job. I mean, he was in his mm -hmm. mid fifties and his body was beaten up and all he knew was manual labor. You know, I don't even think he, he had a high school education. I think he had a limited education. Um, so it, it wasn't easy for him just to go out there and find a job regardless of the job. And his body couldn't handle it anyway. His body wouldn't have been able to. So by the time he gets to us, he's, he's in such rough shape. He, he doesn't even know what he's going to do from month to month. Uh, and we, we ended up going through the process with him. We had a hearing and uh, we got done. The, we it doesn't always happen, but we found out during the hearing that the judge was going to award benefits. And I went and talked to him, kind of did my debriefing after the hearing and explained to him what he was going to be getting. 
kind of the time frame for everything. And he was, I mean, he was so emotional and he, and he said, you know, just thank you so much. It's, it's nice to finally know that I'm going to be able to put food on the table and I'm not going to have to worry about my landlord, you know, knocking on my door again. And I left that hearing. I went out to my car. I'm a pretty, uh, you know, I, I've seen some stuff and I, I can, I can pretty much handle my emotions pretty well. Um, but I went out to my car and I, I was probably five minutes. I, I, I cried before I could hit the road, you know, just cause you, when you see that on a, on a very personal level, it's hard to not be moved by it, you know, and it's those kinds of stories that keep you going. Social security gets such a, a, a bad name because people think everyone's just trying to, you know, suckle off the teeth of the system and get a, a free benefit from the government. And it's like, no, the people work and pay into the system for a reason. You know, you and I are paying out of our paychecks. We're paying into the insurance, the disability insurance benefits. That's what it's there for. And when you see those kinds of cases where you're, you're literally keeping a roof over somebody's head and food on the table. I mean, that's all you need. You know, one of those. Yeah. That, going that, for years. that gets you out of bed when you actually morning, see it? it at that level. Yeah. yeah 100%. You know, and you know, the one thing yep. that, that, uh, that I think about too is, um, is, you know, you've got a young family, you know, do you want your kids to be proud of what you do? And, um, you know, that story is just a great story. I mean, I, I, you know, I, I, I often think, um, you know, of some of these, these stories about, you know, these lawyers that stood up uh, against really powerful interests and stood between their client and the powerful interest. And then I see these type of stories where you're basically, you know, letting, letting this, this fella tap into something he's been paying into his whole life that he doesn't think he's entitled to. And yeah. And, and even if he's entitled to it, he's, he doesn't want to admit that he needs it. You know, it's that pride, you know, I, it was, it was one of those situations where I just, it was like looking at my dad, you know, the pride it's like, okay, swallow it yeah. once, <laughs> you know, I hope he, I hope my dad listens to this. Swallow your pride for once. Okay. And admit that you need help. It's okay. You know, that's what it's there for. So, yeah, that was really a meaningful, meaningful Well, that's case. great. Well, that's, that's got me, you know, very inspired today. And, and so, um, so Adam, I, I know that you, um, you guys do a lot of work in the community, um, which is great. You guys right there in, uh, you know, we call it Chicago land where I'm at, I'm Detroit land, you know, where you guys are at, uh, right outside of Detroit, but damichigan.com, there's no downside to calling these, these folks, you know, they're, it's all basically contingent uh, fees and they'll even help you fill out an application. Um, and it doesn't cost a dime to call you. Isn't that right, Adam? Yeah, that's right. I mean, we will help right from getting the application filed through, uh, you know, U S district court appeals. Um, and yeah, it doesn't cost anything to call. Uh, it's all contingency. We only get an attorney fee if we win. And even then sometimes we don't cause you know, we, at the initial level, especially we have case. I just talked to a, a guy last week. We got his case uh, awarded quickly enough that there ended up not actually being any back pay, which is what our fee would come out of. Um, and I, I love those. I love those, those stories because even though we didn't get a fee, we did such a good service for, for, for this gentleman um, that I know he, he's going to tell everyone he knows. No, that's about great. Us. You want the cherry harvester 
you want that tackle, the, 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 the uh, captain of his football team, you want that kid who lived his dream going to the University of Michigan and the guy that basically is there all the time for, for his clients, you want Adam Banton on your team. And so give him a call, 800-701-5524. That's 800-701-5524. Disability Attorneys of Michigan. And they're there to help you. They're be to help you from the beginning to the end. Thank you so much for joining us, Adam. Yeah, thank you, Joe. I had a great right, we'll time. We'll talk soon. Thank you for listening to the opening statement with Joe Shannon. You can find us on the internet at shannonlawgroup.com or telephone our office at 312-578-9501. Have a terrific day.